And welcome back, everyone, to another edition of Going for Two, presented by our good friends at Home Field Apparel. I am your host, the publisher of the Extra Points newsletter, Matt Brown. I'm flying solo today, or solo-ish today. Similar situation here as last week. Um, my schedule and Brian's schedule and the schedule of our children have not aligned, and I have uh, am at least attempting to do something I've been trying to do here for several months, which is go on like an actual vacation. I, I, I took a little bit of time off in April, but that was just because my kids were on spring break and somebody had to watch them. <laughs> and so that wasn't so much a vacation so much as it was just uh, stepping aside and only working for three hours a day instead of what I do now. Uh, I, by the I'm recording this here on Friday, the 22nd. By the time you're listening to this, I might be in the woods in Southern Illinois in the state park, uh, or maybe I'm coming back. But you're not just going to listen to me just riff for 40 minutes because I don't even want to listen to myself for 40 minutes. I wouldn't. I can't blame you if you guys don't. Uh, I'm joined here by internet friend and uh, somebody I've been chatting with about college sports here for a while, uh, Ben Mathis Lilly of Slate. Uh, ben just came out or is about to come out with an exciting new book. It's called The Hot Seat. You can see here I have an advanced reading copy, which is like this having a regular copy only you know you can't take this you can't sell it back or else you'll go to publisher jail um but this is it's a it's a deep look here about not just the process of coaching searches or what causes coaches to be fired it is a deep uh look into the heart of message board country it is this is something i say with love a deeply online book one that i think explains a lot of the weirdness about college football to audiences that might not be as deep in that world. Like I, I would imagine here if I still worked at Vox and I was trying to explain this sport to a Vox.com colleague who called college football sports ball and didn't really know this world, this would be a book that I could give to them that speaks their language. And I, I, that is not a pejorative thing at all. Like it is, is a, it is a useful thing, not just because I know the author and I'm, I'm very briefly quoted in it and, and many people that are friends with are in the book too. Um, it is insightful. And so I figured, hey, you know, writing a book's hard. Uh, this is uh, something that's relevant to our audience. So uh, why don't we just bring Ben in here for a little bit? We could talk about what he learned uh, through a, a savage heart at the uh, a savage look at the heart of Michigan weirdo leftist Twitter and the coaching searches therein. Ben, thank you so much for taking some time here to, to chat with me. I'm sure this has been an extremely busy uh, past couple of weeks and months. Um, uh, excited to have an esteemed Michigan man here to, 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 to talk about Harbaugh and to talk about this cool book that you just did. Uh, yeah, well, it's always we've got three kids here, so it's always a busy time. Uh, my wife's a writer too, working on her own book. So, and we also both have uh, regular full time jobs. So, yeah, it's always it's always an adventure, but I'm I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I, I don't understand. I mean, like, I also when I did my book, and I still had a full time job, and I feel like it almost killed me. I don't know how anybody else is able to like functionally do this and still do other projects. And my and when I did it, I had one kid, and she wasn't mobile yet um, <laughs> to do it with multiple people that can actually open doors. Um, Kudos to you for sure. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and that uh, my door may open while we're uh, while we're talking. Oh, well, yeah. Well, I mean, cool, but... <laughs> my this, this if there's any show on the internet where it's okay to have a kid randomly show up, it it would be mine. My children do not respect boundaries or doors or Twitter passwords. Um, I, I'm excited to talk to you here about uh, the hot seats. The, the subtitled here: A Year of Outrage, Pride, and Occasional College Football Games. If you're not uh, watching the show on YouTube, I'm holding the book up right now. It's beautiful maize and brew with a picture of uh, an angry Mr. Harbaugh. 
Uh, let me let me start here with this because this this is an overarching discussion here about about coaching changes and the forces that that may push for this to happen. Who did you who do you do you did you think you were writing for? And this it's like that's not a pejorative question here, right? Like I, I you know I'm, I'm flipping through some of this and thinking like okay like this is this seems to be in a more slight voice that's or something that's not a college football diehard or degenerate. And there's other kind of you know internet callbacks that I could see that this is definitely somebody who hangs out on college football Twitter all the time. <laughs> who in your mind as you're writing this, like who 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 are you trying to reach? So yeah, I, I you bring up the internet part of it. I thought you know I, so this book is is in in large part kind of an homage to a, a, a book that was written about the original football, um, uh, football against the enemy, like great book written in the '90s about soccer. Uh, it's about soccer's importance to different different cultures and and I and different countries in the world. And I kind of wanted to do that, but for college football, which is you know our soccer. I, people who listen to this podcast probably know what I'm talking about when I say that in the kind of regional character it has. And I thought like, well, what can I bring to this? Like this other book was written by a very smart person who got to travel all over the world. I'm not going to be able to travel as much. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm not as smart a person. I thought, but I'm always on the internet. And that is an interesting difference in the way fans <laughs> operate. You know, fans operate differently now than they did 25 years ago because of the internet. And so I thought like, if I can bring anything to this, it's a, it's kind of a, you know, just a, what it's like to be a fan of one team through a season, uh, you know, and being online for that. Uh, and then I wanted to write it to kind of, I, I think it's funny the way you phrased the question, but, but, but it was in my head. It's almost like justifying myself to other people. So I wanted to write about the kind of crazy stuff that goes through my head as, as a, as a hardcore fan of one particular team. And I wanted to kind of like explain that not only to other people, uh, but to myself, like what is going on? Like, why am I like this? And it's a question. I think a lot of, <laughs> I think a lot of fans no. ask themselves, you know, um, you know, and, and as other people have pointed out, like, you know, you don't, you don't even have to really be into college football or, or to be a fan of sports even like a, a lot of people are obsessed with something that are, is kind of like this, that they kind of sometimes think like, I I'm taking this too far. Like, what am I doing? You know? And so uh, I, I kind of wanted to write about it and like, and get in a little bit of psychology and a little history and to kind of look at like, how did, how did so many people end up like this? So that's, that's kind of the, the, the genesis of it. I, 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 lo I love that, that view. This is unlike most college football books that I've read. And, and honestly, I think in fact, unlike any of them, but maybe one message board culture is, yeah. is very much part of this book because the, you know, this is an engine for pushing to, for schools to change coaches. It is an yeah. engine for, you know, talking about discontent. What I think it was, it was interesting is, you know, and I don't know if this is just like specific to you or how much this is specific to Michigan, but your message board and your Twitter chats experience feels very demographically different from my message boards experience or some of the other places in that like um, a, a sleepy Joe Biden meme among your people is not the same as I would expect on text acts. Right. And this, this yeah. is a more left leaning uh, absurdist, very internet-y right. you know, kind of culture. I'm, I'm, I'm curious because this book isn't just about Michigan. This book right. talks about the, the South. This book talks about other fan cultures. How do you see the message board or like the digital fan element being when your bubble being similar or different from maybe some of the other places where you, you, you were investigating? Great question. Yeah. And, and the fact that, that I, what you're describing is these, this group of like, I did something between somewhere between like eight and a dozen guys. Some of them are on there and don't are lurkers, but there's a group chat of, of Michigan fans who are, are, are active on Twitter. Most of them are younger than me. 
most of them are even are politically further to the left than me. And so that's kind of just a coincidence that that was the lens that I was uh, seeing so much of this through. However, I think it is true. Michigan fans as a whole, they may not all be, you know, Bernie bros, uh, but Michigan's fans and, and it's in its campus culture are are more liberal than than some of these in the South. So, yeah, I wanted yeah. to I wanted to talk about that. And I and I wrote a chapter and I wish I could have spent more time there. But I wrote a chapter about Louisiana State, about LSU and Coach Ogeron. Um, and so I got into Tiger Droppings culture, which, I, again, is probably something that's familiar to, to listeners here and, and absolutely a significantly more conservative outlook uh, on society than I was getting at Michigan. So yeah. to some degree, it was just a coincidence. Like these are the guys I, I hang, you know, I hang out with online and, and this is who I happen to know. But I did, I do think you're right. Like, uh, especially as regards some of the issues like the Black Lives Matter protests that were happening before the season that I wrote about um, the way that those protests and the coaches uh, response to the protests um, they were perceived differently by the different fan bases uh, at Michigan and LSU. And I get in more into the details of that uh, in the LSU chapter. I talked to Ryan Clark, who's a, who's a great LSU player and has talked a lot about this, this stuff on ESPN. Um, and I, I get into it more, but yeah, I, I knew I was aware of the kind of weird little bubble I was in and I did want to, I did want to break out of it, but I also wanted to explore it because the politics, uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh's politics, as we've seen even this week are yeah. kind of a factor in his, in his representativeness of, of Michigan. I, I like the way that you talked about uh, him specifically. I, I think the exact phrase was something of a public intellectual, you know, compared to his peers. Yeah. I don't. And, and the, the way that I think you kind of got to that point and talking to a couple of, of his former players is, and I, I, rec- I, I recognize this coming from Ohio state fans. So it was going to seem like a pejorative, but I, I swear to God, it's not right. Yeah. This idea, like he's not so much a public intellectual football coach. He is so much a football coach that he feels like he has to be a public intellectual in order to be the football coach, which is a way that is that feels very Michigan, but also very different from almost any other big time coach. Like, yeah, I, I, I could not imagine Ed Orgeron thinking like, I need to get into PBS to help me teach tight ends. <laughs> right. Why no, is he doing that? I thought so. That was Ben Muth, uh, who is a football outsiders writer and was a, a uh, you know, I think all all conference um, offensive lineman uh, under Harbaugh and also under the previous coach at Stanford. So he was just yeah. talking to me, was super helpful, talking about the difference between Jim Harbaugh and your average coach. And he was the one who kind of put that idea in my head and who corrected me when I was saying, yeah, Harbaugh's kind of a public intellectual. He's like, no, no, no. You know, he thinks that the role of a football coach is this is this role that's so old fashioned and he thinks of it. As, as going back, you know, to the, to the guys who, who started, I, you know, so much more about this than I do, but the, the, the guys who started football at Harvard, at Yale and Harvard, uh, yeah. you know, and the, and the, the guys who thought that they were training Christians to lead the world, you know, he sees it as being in that tradition. I don't know if he would, he would particularly put it that in the, those exact terms, but I think he was a history major for at least part of, you know, at, at least at first. So maybe yeah. he would, um, but he sees it as being part of this tradition and, and and he wants to be a football coach first. And he thinks as part of that, you know, part of that job is, is knowing a little bit about the, 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 you know, the academic institution he's in and knowing a little bit about that stuff and being interested in the rest of society and, and how his, how his men can contribute to society, which they're actually doing uh, this today. Like yesterday, they all went to a, a jail in Flint, Michigan. Um, they're doing a tour of Michigan. And that was one of the things they did. It's like, you know, it's, it all fits into his conception of, uh, you know, of service and and uh, and becoming a man. 
Yeah, we 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 can joke about it on Twitter about warrior poets and right. and the, the kind of mythologized ethos of what the Big Ten athlete is supposed to be. But there's for this particular guy, like that's not entirely uh, a bit. You, you you touched on something else that I, I love whenever somebody like outside of the college football like who's been like who's you know been a reporter in college football for 10 years or whatever comes into this space and and you know kind of digs into the nooks and crannies in a different way. After doing this book, what has surprised you? Or what 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 you know did you come away with about how coaches work or about how these programs work that maybe you didn't fully appreciate two or three years ago? It was definitely uh, it was definitely related to what we're talking about. It was it was the conviction that the people inside the machine, uh, this you know big business, the conviction that that so many of them have uh, about um, about what we're talking about, about the idea that they're doing something that's bigger than a television product. So these are all people who are who are very much aware that what they're doing is a television product. Uh, you know, uh, to take, you know, Michigan, Jim Harbaugh and Ward Manuel are, are certainly conscious that they're doing big, big business. Uh, you know, Mark Rick was a guy I talked to who uh, didn't make it in the book, but I, I you know, he's, uh, he, he was the coach for a long time at Georgia, Miami, and now he's, now he's on TV. So again, this is a guy who understands the world that he's operating in. He's, you know, he did a lot of fundraising at Miami, something you might, might remember. So, yeah. but, but when I talked to him, it was all about, you know, family, raising, you know, raising young men, that sort of thing, like uh, being a good, you know, being a good uh, Christian, you know, like living his faith, like that was, those are the things he's talking, he's talking about. And, and I guess I had expected to find a little more cynicism uh, within that world about uh, the relationship between values and business than there was. Now, I said this earlier to, uh, to Drew Magary on his podcast with David Roth, and he said, yeah. but how did you know that those people weren't just bullshitting you? Which is a very good question. And, and I guess my answer to it, I thought a little more about it, is for one, maybe they are, but they're also bullshitting themselves. Uh, and, and two, I did talk to people off the record, and I'm sure you've had this experience. Like, I talked to people who... Before we, you know, before we even began the conversation, I agreed, I'm not using your name. I'm not going to reference anything you say in any way. This is just to kind of help me get a sense for, for how things operate at Michigan or at, or at whatever other place. And I heard the same things from those people who had no real incentive or, or motivation to kind of, you know, to give me a false impression of how great Michigan was, for example. Like I would ask people like, this whole thing about all the guys go to class, you know, they're sitting in the front row wearing their ties or whatever, like at Michigan, is that really true? Like, and they're like, yeah, like, you know, they make you do it. Like, you know, I mean, not, yeah. you don't, not everyone wants to do it. Like, you know, that, that's the kind of, you know, candid, candid part that I got was that they were admitting that like, yeah, not everyone who goes there wants to be part of that or is going to Michigan because of that, you know? And like, I think someone said like, you're a regular college student. Like you probably didn't want to go to class all the time. Right. And I was like, yeah, that's right. And I didn't. Yeah. So he's like, yeah. So like, you know, it's, it's a regular place. It's not like everyone is, is like brainwashed by this idea, but like at the same time, like it's still something that they make you do. And it's a big part of their culture. And, and I'm sure that what Mark Rick was saying about like his commitment to letting his assistant coaches go see their kids and go to church. Like I, I have no doubt that that was also true now. Like, Georgia and Michigan, yep, they're big businesses. They're doing it for the TV money. Compromises are made. Yeah. Uh, you know, people don't live up to their ideals. But like, I, I, I was surprised and continue to be kind of surprised by by the degree to which those things matter to the people within within this kind of game. You know, it, it's funny you mentioned that 
And I, I've actually been kind of de- thinking or debating the best way for me to, to write this because I don't want to get yelled at on Twitter either. <laughs> but when I when I talk, I talk to a lot of ADs, right, for for, for this job and, and people that are relatively high up on the administrative side. And I hear the same thing. Mm-hmm. And there is a frustration of being unable to live up to ideals. And they understand that there's compromises that have to be made. And they also understand that if I don't make these compromises, I get fired and somebody else comes in and makes those compromises. But I can name the like think of no ADs that I think have completely divorced themselves from this ideal, maybe on one hand. Mm-hmm. And you know, people like I've had lots of people tell me, hey, you know what I like about this job the least is not getting a chance to talk to the athletes as much anymore. Cause I got into this world believing what Mark Richt believes or right. believing what Harbaugh believes or believing that this is a pathway to building generational wealth or, or class mobility. Other stuff gets in the way. Right. I, I mean, I don't know if that's the same thing with people that start off as like, you know, house aides for the D triple C or, you know, or, you <laughs> yeah. know, people that, that are, are, are working and, and, you know, for, I think a governor's office or something, but I don't, even if their actions say otherwise, I honestly also believe that a lot of people still working in this ecosystem have, 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 are not dead in the eyes and like still okay. believe some of the stuff that they're selling. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. And I actually, I think that that, that is true. Uh, and I, I wish I had gotten a chance to talk to more players. Uh, Michigan, like a lot of programs is like tries to keep its players away yep. from the press as much as possible. So I was talking to former players, uh, you know, people like Ryan Clark for LSU. So I wish I got to talk to more players, but one thing I think that I did kind of grasp by talking to the ones that I did was that um, the, the view I came into uh, the the book project with uh, of players was I w- it's not even cynical but I kind of like you know I understand that these are people who in most cases are seeking a professional career in football uh, they might not have the same emotional ties to the University of Michigan that I did because I watched the games when I was six years old you know so I kind of thought like okay but I respect that like we, we you know that's fine but what I found was that the ties that they have to their programs. It definitely they're not the same that kind of ties that I have. But what I kind of forgot is like, this is an incredibly time consuming job. We, we're all pretty much aware of that, how much time these guys put in. But like, you do it with other people. Like you, you lift weights with other people. Um, you know, you lift weights with your coaches, like uh, your strength coaches, whoever. And so they have these emotional ties to their teammates and to the program in ways that bind them to it in a you know they're not just like free agents trying to maximize their own draft potential like yeah i mean they make decisions sometimes because of those reasons but like they also feel strongly like i came into the program with like these five guys and like th- those are my you know where i'm out on the field for those guys you know and so like i had yeah. kind of forgotten that that part of it is also really strong or or i had never you know i never thought of it that way and so that was another thing i realized kind of getting at what you're saying like that they, they believe in something too. It's not necessarily the same as the way that the administrators believe in it or that the fans believe in it, but like, it's also like Michigan football is a passion for Michigan football players too. On, on that note, after spending so much time here in the weeds, mm-hmm. has your belief in like, I don't, rationalness isn't the right word because clearly none of this is rational, but <laughs> seeing, you know, what, what the, what that kind of belief for players and that kind of belief and for fans and other external people what that meant for a guy like Harbaugh, what that ended up meaning for Ogeron or what that meant for Taggart. Has your feeling about like how any of these feel, uh, these passions are expressed changed? Do you look at this and think, well, maybe 
my message board was less healthy than I thought it was, or no, this is a big business and we deserve the right to, uh, you know, tweet that some left tackle is committing war crimes uh, because like, that's how I feel in my heart. Right. Like, well, that's a private conversation. I don't criticize college players, uh, publicly, uh, <laughs> sure. I try not to. you know, yeah. I do, I do think there's still, many of them are minors, you know, like they are still doing it mostly, you know, in many ways for sure. Three. This uh, offensive line coach is, yeah, yeah, the coach, oh, absolutely. Yeah. The coach Send will, him to the Hague. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, space jail is the term that came up a lot <laughs> in, in that particular yeah. chat. Um, yeah, I, so I think I, I'm a little bit more, uh, I'm a little bit more of a piece at it. Like I kind of like, okay. you know, I, I go into some of this stuff in the book about just like, human psychology and sociology and like the example that kind of struck me this is a kind of a funny one but like we watched my wife and I watched the show Frasier during uh the time I was researching this book and like I don't know if you've watched Frasier but he's really into opera and like like the classical like the classical arts um and like I realized at one point and because of a, a another book called We Average Unbeautiful Watchers that I cite in the in the book like even people who don't like sports are, are quote unquote aren't into sports. They're really attached to something, prestige television, opera, whatever. Like it, you just can't not be attached to something like this as a human being. And, and if you aren't like, maybe there are some people who, who aren't, who, who don't have that any attachment who are purely rational, but like, I don't think that many of us want that life. You know, I don't think that many of us want to live life only worrying about like, how are you? Are we, how are we advancing in our career? Or like, you know, how am I doing? How am I doing financially? Like, that's a boring yeah. life to live. So like, it's going to happen. Like, I think we have to behave ethically within it. Like, and I think that there are, there are obviously excesses uh, involved uh, in, in, and, and the emotional lows are lower than we want. But like, I, I, it's not so much that I'm, that I'm saying, yes, this is the best way to live a life. Like, it's just like, this is who I am. This is who we are. Like, let's deal with it the best way we can, as opposed to trying to fight it. Um, and I actually have a question for you. I, one of the things I wrote down, I wanted to ask you, kind of a, a reframing of a way to to think about it. I'm curious what your answer is. Yeah. Based on a, a couple, people have been asking me about realignment. You know, the big UC, USC, USC, like going to the Big Ten. You know, it doesn't this kind of destroy, uh, you know, some of the traditional fabric of the sport and so forth. And I kind of, I kind of think yes, but like, let's say all these schools were actually run as like socialist cooperatives. Like, no one was making. No yeah. one was getting like big money off this, like except the players. Like, okay, let's say like we all we put it into a trust fund for the players and their health and their and their education. Just like the dream scenario for like some of the kind of like critics of college football. And and we just ran this. The players had a vote. Like the the alumni had a vote. The fans had a vote. It's just a, it's just a cooperative. Would they still make the decision to go for that TV money because they wanted to put the best product on the field because it spoke to some sense of pride they had about who they are and who their institution is. I kind of think like the, I think the answer might be yes. Like, I think that even if administrators and TV executives are not getting paid $3 million a year or whatever out of this, like, I think people still would want to do this because like, because of the stuff that I talk about in the book, like this is, this is like the fundamental part of like who, who you are is like who, who you root for. And in some ways it shouldn't be the only thing that you are, <laughs> but like, it is who who people are, and I think that they would want to like go out and keep winning games. I think they might do it. I'm curious for your response. No, well, the idea here about about personal identity is something I've I've been thinking about a lot from the athlete side because this I, I think this is like the the crux of where we have a lot of mental health issues mm -hmm. um, and and DEI issues and, and many other like health outcome problems because 
for yes, for for many high school athletes, many people that are currently competing at the college level and are very involved in that space, it becomes a critical part of their identity. And when that is disrupted in any way, you get injured. Uh, you are fourth string because being the best player in Marquette, Michigan, does not necessarily translate to Big Ten football. Mm-hmm. Uh, any number of things that could be devastating. So, I knowing how important it is to the actual participants. The idea that they would want to still achieve at a high level and be pushing things, even if that wasn't tied to institutional financial gain. Like I believe that like in the, in the paleolithic era of college football before uh, TV revenue was really a big deal, you know, pre-World War II, even before gate revenue was a gigantic deal, people were still doing this um, and, and still spending 30 hours a week on doing it and making up, you know, bogus health regimes to be a part of it the the, the idea of what you still want to at would you add usc or ucla or would you have added rutgers or would you have maybe done some of these other decisions which are i think very clearly more about television than they are about the product itself probably not but it, it, yeah if there was if 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 um michigan's governor decided to um through eminent domain somehow like take ownership of like michigan football llc and and make that a state cooperative or something. I, th- I think there's probably still 105,000 people in the big house, you know, and and, 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 and bitching about the the throwing the ball too much. Yeah, that I probably still the same. Like maybe you you certainly I certainly wouldn't make the same decisions about television commercials, you know, uh, as as they make. But yeah. I think that's a good way of putting it. And 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 the identity uh, thing is, is uh, uh, on the player's side speaks to something that uh, that Ryan Clark uh, said to me, like. He, that again, that was something I kind of found surprising. He's like, you know, we've been talking about LSU and, and, and this kind of racial reckoning that LSU athletics went through, you know, and, and so I'm talking to him like, well, you know, why'd you choose to go to LSU? You're, you know, could you, you could have gone somewhere else. And he's like, man, I don't, you know, it's big. Like you're riding the bus for, to the team hotel on Friday night, you know, cause they go to the hotel like the night even before uh, home games. Yeah. Like, People are already out. People are already out. They have their tents up, like they're, they're tailgating already. And he's like, I'm paraphrasing him, but it's like, it's awesome to be part of something big. So maybe the, maybe the TV contract uh, kind of hypothetical is the wrong way to put it. But like, if I think the way that some kind of purists talk about it sometimes is like, as if they wish we could all go down to like being in D3, you know, and like, Oh, there's only 3000 people there. And these kids really are just scholars, you know? And, and it's, and it's like, you're, you're just kind of playing in the woods somewhere and there's, there's no cameras at all. And it's like, there's no, there's no concession sales and merchandise. And it's like, no, I actually don't think that's what people want. They beat the, and, and sorry to mention it, but like the Michigan yeah. Ohio state game, it's the last thing, like the bigness of that game w- was what it made. It mean so much to the people who are on the field and the people who are in the stands. And like, I think you're absolutely right. Like no one is, no one is voting to like downsize the big house. Like that's, the, we, we want to be connected to this big thing and, and the bigness is a, a key part of it. Uh, despite like what we might tell ourselves sometimes. Yeah. I mean, like this is a podcast and I write for a publication where one of our central ethos is the idea that college athletics matters across all ecosystems. Right. And I'm talking to, to some, uh, you know, earlier this week when this actually publishes, I'll have written something about like the Northeast 10, which is like a division two conference in, in new England. Those athletes are are squatting just as much, well, almost as much and and they're squatting as often and they care just as much, but it's, whether it's public skeptical or spectacle or any other things, it's it's not the same thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and you can't really move 150 years of historical inertia out of the way. Mm-hmm. To 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 change how 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 any how any how any of this has gone. 
mm-hmm. um, even if maybe that might be the more ethical thing. Like I, I definitely picked this up from reading this and, and from knowing some of the people in, in your in your group chats. <laughs> there's there's some element of cognitive dissonance you have to attach to give a college football fandom anyway, because you know that this is a, at least a little bit exploitive. Oh, or yeah. a little bit dangerous or a little bit always other things. But, you know, it's the same thing about Burger King, but you probably eat that sometimes too. Like that's, it's, you can't okay. completely get uh, separate all of that. Um, there was one other thing that I'm, 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 uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of you know, broad, broadly curious about given the amount of money that's flown into this and how there's this other kind of cottage industry about coaching search and I mean about the hot seats of, of, of coaches and, 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 and finding new people and pushing them out right after you fire them and everything. Did after researching and publishing this book, did you come away with thinking, Oh, we should actually do all of this a different way. Or maybe if we had, if we, if, if X was the policy or X, maybe that would lead to, to uh, better outcomes or saved money or less traumatized families or something. Did, did you, <laughs> did you come away with any uh, policy recommendations for how to fix this stupid sport? Uh, that's funny. I, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's, I fixate on it, but it's like, it's so emblematic of like the things that are on, but like going to five games in person and I, and I don't usually go to games in person. I, I like, I grew up like two hours away from the big house. Like I live in New Jersey now. So I'm actually mostly a TV fan, like going to, going to games in person. It just really slams home how long the commercial breaks are and just like how inorganic it is. Like you, you, you really have like it's really as if they're like trying to ruin the spectacle of a college football game. And so I think that what I like, if I were in charge, like if this was kind of a thing on slate last uh, slate podcast last week too, like I, I would just like, I would just have a commissioner, like just set some limitations. Like, like there are so, so many of the things, I think so many things that are wrong with the sport don't have to be wrong with a sport, but they are because of the way it's set up as an arms race and no one is in charge of, of, cooperatively agreeing to rules to regulate that except the <laughs> national collegiate athletic association which has you know is kind of a, a like at least in football i don't know maybe maybe you think it's an exaggeration to say this it's kind of a defunct it's kind of a dead letter and and so i would like yes i would get these people together and i would say like like we can tie it back to the beginning of our conversation like you guys all actually do to an extent that's probably not appreciated by the cynics in the podcasting media like you guys all actually do care about this sport and its integration into campus life and, and, and its higher values. Like you guys do care about this. So like, let's do something that allows you to preserve it and not have to be compromising or to be like undermining the, the, these things that you, that you care about. And like, and that, that thing, I don't know, you, you know more about this than me, but like, to me, that thing is like a strong regulatory system, like a strong commissioner, a strong regime. I don't know. You're laughing. You're laughing. Yeah. What is it? No, <laughs> I'm, I'm not laughing. I mean, like, I, I, I mean, one, like, it's like that, that, that feels slatish, right? Well, what, what we need <laughs> is to expand the regulatory states and, and, and increase state. The problem with college football is that state capacity is too limited. And like, that's not necessarily wrong. Um, I, uh, I mean, like, I, I, I don't know how to get to get to some of those potential things here too. Right. As, as we're, as we're talking, there's, there's, there's conversations of potential like player labor uh, movement happening here mm-hmm. to the extent that a college athletic regulatory state exists as being completely thrown. Like who knows what that's going to be in four months. This is my entire livelihood. I don't know. And <laughs> I'm chances, chances are the people listening to this don't know either. Um, but that, it, it, it makes sense. Maybe not everything that's frustrating about this necessarily has to be that way, but there we are. Ben, where can people find this book? 
anywhere books are sold. Uh, you can pre-order it now. You can pre-order it uh, online at uh, any of the large retailers, or uh, you can or re you can order through your your local indies. Uh, and on August thirtieth, it will be available in stores. That's it's it's very it's it's very exciting. Congratulations on seeing. Uh, I would say your baby out in the world, but you already have plenty of uh, uh, actual ones. But congratulations on seeing this out in the world. I know it's a cool moment. Um, I've really enjoyed reading it. It's very different from anything else. I'll, I'll say this. like If you like college sports Twitter, which you probably do if you're listening to this podcast, this book is your shit. Um, <laughs> particularly if you are in that intersection of people with political science degrees – <laughs> and people that care a little bit too deeply about the big time athletics. Uh, not a big fan of the ending. That wasn't a problem. That wasn't, that wasn't a you issue so much as the cosmos issue. Um, if Ryan day was a little bit less of an NPC, I'm sure none of this would have happened and your book would have turned out differently. Well, um, I think your readers should know you make a cameo in the, in the kind of the afterward, like the, where are they now? Uh, right? That's that, 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 that is true. And let the record state like way before the season started, you and I, we did have a conversation. I, I was telling him like, look, if Ohio, if Ohio State loses in a way where they are perceived to be soft, people are going to have an aneurysm in Columbus. And lo and behold, my friends, Bucknuts.com is still <laughs> mad online uh, and, and trying to, to you know to, to try Ryan Day for being soft. Gives us plenty to talk about in the future. Ben, th thanks again for taking some time with us. All right. Thank you, Matt. Uh, very quickly, I do want to shout out our friends and our sponsors at, at Home Field Apparel. The official, uh, the official t-shirt uh, company of college football Twitter, the official t-shirt company of the deranged but lovable message board community in your life, uh, the official uh, clothing company of not just extra points but me, because this is basically all I wear unless I'm going to church um, or a rare formal occasion, and that's just because they haven't gotten around to making sports jackets yet. I'm wearing a vintage old BYU t-shirt here today. Um, I'm usually wearing a vintage shirt of some other kind and a bunch of other ways. I'm about to buy a bunch more because this week, uh, or maybe last week, depending on when you're listening to this for big news Saturday, they are of course dropping, uh, Chicago's big 10 team as, uh, my, my Medill university of Northwestern Wildcats. And let me tell you something. There's some absolutely bonkers, uh, old logos for Northwestern. Uh, the Northwestern Wildcat looks like he developed an expensive yet manageable cocaine habit for at least 26 years until, uh, maybe the 1980s, um, the kind of were maybe thinking about joining the Ivy League uh, era. If you like purple, if you like ridiculous-looking Wildcats, if you care about excellence in journalism, you should give Homefield some money and go buy some Northwestern stuff. And the Northwestern is not your scene. They just dropped Nebraska. They dropped Oklahoma. They dropped Kansas State. They dropped TCU. All bangers. And some mid-majors uh, are coming very soon as well. You can get 15% off your first order at Homefield Apparel by using promo code EXTRAPOINTS. And you can drop me a note and that Matt at extrapointsmb.com. I'm happy to give you an introduction. I've seen some of the proposed logos for a couple of these mid-majors that are in some of these conversations or trying to get on board. Uh, they look just as ridiculous as many of the high majors do. And I say that with deep love in my heart. Um, we are planning a couple of uh, conference preview shows. They're released all at once in the beginning of August and planning our editorial schedules here for August into football season. If you want to reach thousands of dedicated, highly engaged college sports fans, industry insiders, students, you should consider advertising with Going for Two or advertising with Extra Points, which is a pretty good newsletter that now reaches over 11,000 people every free edition. That's wild. That includes probably your athletic director, certainly somebody in your athletic department, and lots of your favorite college football reporters. 
you can get sales quotes and we can develop a package for you across both platforms at sales at extrapointsmb.com. Friends, um, just a quick reminder on the 25th, 26th, and 27th, I will be uh, in and around Garden of the Gods in the middle of nowhere in Illinois, uh, trying to have my phone off. I'm sure I'm going to miss a bunch of stuff here. I'm sorry. I got to take a break so I don't have a nervous breakdown. But I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you enjoy a bunch of the other stuff we are producing across D1 Ticker, across Collegiate Sports Connect. Uh, I actually just recorded an interview with an economist at the University of Michigan. Very, very Michigan episode for a Buckeye. But that just goes to show you what a serious professional I am. Uh, with an economist at, at the University of Michigan that talks about what um, how consumers typically react to reset to recessions and uh, high inflation periods in the collegiate, uh, in the sports industry. Do they buy as many tickets? Do they watch as many games on TV? How does their spending shift? What do, what what can uh, programs do to account for that? We also have a ton of AD and coach interviews on uh, Collegiate Sports Connect, which is free. So you should sign up for that too. Subscribe and support the show everywhere you download podcasts. And I will catch up with you guys when I come back from a trip. Thanks for listening.